Good morning, good day, or good evening. My name is Eli Rowe, and this is the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. Okay, everyone, Mercury goes retrograde officially tomorrow. I hope we're all ready for this one. It'll be a doozy, I think, but as always, you know, we can take some precautions to mitigate its general fuckery and help us get through this time more smoothly. We are going to be retrograde until October 2nd, so it's a little over three weeks, not too long, but still plenty of time to make a mess if we're not proactive. So first things first, communication and emotional confusion are going to be really dogging us during this time, and I mean right out the gate. Tomorrow there's going to be a lot of opportunities for miscommunication and argumentation So, you know, let's give people around us the benefit of the doubt when it comes to communication because everything we say can get mixed up and misconstrued during this time. Same retrograde advice I always give, but it bears repeating. Back up any work or assignments. Um, Make sure you give yourself extra time to turn them in because the internet likes to go slow as hell. Phone lines like to go down and apps love to crash during Merc Retrograde. And finally, read and then reread and then get someone else to read any contracts that you may be considering entering into. Make sure you know what you're signing and what is expected of you. And that's the general housekeeping. Merc Retrograde comes around a few times a year to raise a little hell and keep us humble, but it doesn't have to ruin our lives and it doesn't have to be something we fear. Um, you, oh, you know what? This reminds me. <clears throat> I know a lot of folks caution against performing any kind of magic during Mercury retrograde. Um, There's a belief amongst some that it can go badly or something I don't really know. All I do know is that you can do your magic whenever the hell it feels right. We should always be mindful of our intentions and the language that we use when we cast. Um, So I don't feel like we need to be afraid of performing spell work during this time. I have never had anything close to a bad outcome from doing magic during retrograde. Um, I don't like baseless fear-mongering, and I won't contribute to it. If you have work to do between now and October 2nd, just do it. Um, We also have the harvest moon in Pisces on Saturday, so that's something to consider. Pisces is a dreamer, and Pisces feels things very deeply. So go ahead and set some big intentions that align with how you truly feel. Don't try to play timid. Don't hold back. Don't minimize your true feelings. Um, But, you know, that said, don't let your feelings run amok either. The moon is conjunct Neptune on Saturday, um, and Neptune loves to keep our head in the clouds, and that is fine as long as we keep our feet on the ground. You know, dream big, visualize, and then make it happen through action in the real world. Plenty of good things are possible right now. So before we jump into the topic of the day, I wanted to read an email, and this kind of goes along with the idea that we've talked about a lot, especially recently, uh, which is the ethics of doing magic to influence other people. Now, this witch has some concerns, and she is looking for a magical way to subtly influence someone else. And she writes, uh, you spoke of handmade mojo bags in a couple episodes, and I feel like that would be my best way to go about this. My husband, like many people, has some issues that impact his life. A lot of toxic masculinity thrown at him and childhood traumas that he really needs some professional help with. 
high-functioning depression that he manages well enough, but I can tell it's limiting his potential. And in all honesty, his rampant negativity in many areas of his life is really draining on my newfound positivity that I have as I continue my own therapy path. I don't want him to change to suit me, but I know that getting some help will really change a lot for him and I want him to be okay with life and himself. I want him to be able to gather happiness from within when he needs to. We have had some light discussions on therapy and he is interested but hesitant. Work and timing has been an absolute block on his ability to get started on it. But I did find out that the clinic I go to has an office close to home and they have therapists that stay until 8 p.m. a couple days of week. He still made a lot of excuses why it wouldn't work out right and I know that's the pessimist in him throwing up walls. Therapy and changing yourself is terrifying at first, but I have experienced firsthand how magical it can be over time. I do not want him to force him into it or badger him about it. I want it to be his decision. But I feel like if he doesn't take these steps to better better himself, we are going to have problems down the road. He's really an amazing person. I love him fiercely. He has never done me wrong and has a good, strong heart. I just want him to have access to all of the positive sides of life without this cloud of darkness in his head weighing him down. So I wanted to make a bag that I can hide underneath his side of the mattress, completely in the spirit of helping him and giving him strength to know that he does not need to let his depression run his life, and ultimately for him to end up deciding that it is time to start seeing a therapist, that it is okay for him to do. I know we have to be careful with intention, and I want to make sure this revelation does not come to him in the form of some traumatic event that makes him spiral downward or something. Do you have any thoughts on what would be helpful to include in the mojo bag, and what moon phase or time of year would additionally be helpful for spell work of this kind? Whew, okay. Now, interestingly, the day before I got this email, I got a DM from another witch asking if I could do an episode on mojo bags, which I am going to do. It's on the roster for a couple weeks from now. I'm going to cover mojo bags and spell jars in the same episode because they're really similar in terms of construction and purpose. But for this witch, I didn't want to put off answering her question until then because I think her concerns are kind of pressing. She is generally, genuinely invested in helping her husband get help not because she wants to influence how he thinks and what he thinks, but because she knows a professional can help him develop tools to manage his stress, you know, to understand his thought patterns and behavioral patterns and just improve his quality of life. And another thing about therapy, especially for men, is that a lot of the time it's the only place that they'll give themselves permission to talk about these things, you know, put these fears and feelings into words. So we are going to talk about mojo bags in depth in a few weeks, but in the meantime, I responded to this witch with a couple suggestions. A mojo bag under his mattress is a great idea. Um, I'd also include a little candle magic to kick it off and maybe a honey jar to sweeten him to the idea of seeking help as well. Um, In the mojo bag, I'd include personal concerns of his like fingernail clippings or hair, Uh, and then Into a small bowl, I would put some flax, uh, lavender, and rosemary for mental healing, basil and sage to encourage peace, raspberry for optimism, and incidentally, uh, raspberry leaf tea at the grocery store is perfect for this. Just sprinkle a little tea bag right into the bowl. 
and then clove and nettle to help banish negativity. Um, and finally, sunflower to overcome any obstacles that he tries to put in his own way. Uh, sunflower seeds are perfectly valid for this work, by the way. So mix all that up, crush it as best you can, and put about three-fourths of that mixture into the mojo bag, along with your husband's personal concern. And then we're going to set aside the remainder of the herb mix um, to use it uh, to dress our candle in a minute. So as for the mojo bag itself, a scrap of fabric from an old t-shirt is fine. It does not have to be anything fancy, but you can buy a little fabric bag if you prefer. Um, blue is a nice color for this work, but honestly, any color is fine. So put everything into the center of your fabric scrap and then draw up the sides and tie it closed with a little bit of twine or string or yarn, or you can sew it closed. You can add anything else that you want to include in this bag, maybe like a business card from the clinic near your home. Um, anything that you think is going to be helpful, anything that your intuition speaks to you. And then sew it all up with the rest of it, with our herbs and our personal concern. And then the rest of that herb mix that we set aside, we're going to use to dress the candle. So a blue or white candle is going to be great, but use what you've got. Carve your intention right into the wax. Uh, something simple and direct like a phrase, you know, husband's name is open to going to a therapist. Something simple, but direct. And then we're going to anoint it with oil. Olive oil is great. And then roll it in the remaining herbs. You know, really stick those herbs right into the wax. And then light it with your intention and then let it burn down. And then uh, place that mojo bag under your husband's side of the bed and just leave it there. So as for the best time to do this work, uh, the waning moon is probably your best bet. So I would wait three days after the full moon to begin because that's when it begins to wane. And then that will put you at September 13th if you start this month. And incidentally, 13 is, is a very lucky number. Uh, it's associated with wisdom and moon magic. The 13th of September is also a Tuesday, which is a great day for healing and courage. And it takes a great deal of courage to seek therapy. This isn't fast acting magic. You know, influencing other people takes time, but it can really help to soften his heart to the idea of seeking that kind of help. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the goddess Hecate. And even if you aren't overly familiar with her on a personal level, you'll definitely be familiar with her iconography. She is the quintessential triple goddess, maiden, mother, and crone. Hecate is the goddess of crossroads. She's the goddess of magic, especially defensive magic. She's the goddess of witchcraft, of the moon, of boundaries. She's the goddess of knowledge, of herbs and poisonous plants. She's the goddess of spirits and necromancy. Um, Hecate is a really powerful ally in matters of business, of destruction, of empowerment and influence, and karma, and baneful magic. And she's also very influential in shamanic or healing work. So, you know, it's easy to see why she's such a powerful figure to witches. You know, she's the Barbara Streisand of goddesses. She just does it all. So... Let's look a little more deeply at what these associations mean, uh, beginning with Hecate as a goddess of the crossroads, and we mean this literally and figuratively. Hecate's likeness was frequently seen in Greece at various crossroads shrines, especially where three roads converge, although four-way crossroads would also have been likely to bear her image. 
And this literal association gives way to symbolic association as well. So she's a wonderful ally to have if you are at a figurative crossroads in your life. If you're working on leveling up or making a big life change in some way, if we're furthering our education, if we're considering leaving an unsatisfying job or relationship, if we're about to start a family or get you know, a new pet, if we've recently lost someone. I mean, the list literally goes on and on. Anytime we find ourselves at any sort of a crossroads in life, Hecate is there. She can give us strength and wisdom and tough love. And as a goddess of boundaries, um, a household shrine to Hecate was frequently found at a home's property line, um, at the gate or at the doorway of a house. She was known to keep unwanted or unknown spirits and other entities from entering a home. And she's associated with borders, you know, city limits, doorways, and therefore by extension, she was known to guard the doorways between the realms of the living and the dead. And this makes her an excellent goddess to seek when we would like to communicate with our ancestors. She is a protector and an advocate for the dead, and she is known to walk easily among both the dead and the living. Um, Hecate is closely associated with plant lore, you know, and the concoction of medicines and poisons alike. She was known to give instruction and wisdom to those who would seek the knowledge of these disciplines. In fact, she was said to have been the one who taught the goddess Medea how to create and use medicinal plants. Hecate is a, a shaman. She's a shamanic goddess. She's wise in the ways of healing the body and the mind and the soul, and she can assist us in learning what we need to do to best heal ourselves. As a goddess of witchcraft and of the moon, we can approach her to assist or support our work in any of the areas in which she holds sway and in any of the seasons of our lives. You know, I mentioned that she's a triple goddess. She's the triple goddess. She represents the maiden, the mother, and the crone, these three seasons of life. Now, I've done entire episodes on the maiden and the mother archetypes. I talked about the maiden in the Imbolc episode, and we talked about how the maiden is the spirit of entrepreneurialism and optimism and starting a fresh chapter. And these are the aspects of Hecate that we can call upon when we are doing any kind of spell work or entering into any kind of brand new phase in life. And I spoke of the mother in the Imbolc episode, and we talked about how she is the representation of creativity and fertility, both in the literal sense of you know bearing children, but also the fertility of new ideas, new plans. The mother builds. She is a protector. Uh, she is the one who we lean on when we need help setting and maintaining boundaries. You know when we feel like someone isn't treating us properly. The mother is who we need when we require nurture and guidance and tough love, when we aren't taking care of ourselves and we're neglecting the commitments that we've made to ourselves. This is the aspect of Hecate that we can entreat when we are in these phases of our lives, when we are working spells that align with the mother archetype. Now, I will speak of the crone more in the Samhain episode, but she is the aspect of Hecate that we can rely on during times of grief. She's the one who will teach us how to speak with our ancestors. She will show us hidden wisdom. She will teach us how to embrace endings, the end of relationships, of careers, of anything that we need to let go of. 
And then she will help us find our way to the next phase, the phase that we can't start until we have let go. So that's who the hell Hecate is. Now we can talk about approaching her. And we aren't starting from scratch. We've talked before on this podcast about approaching deities for assistance with our magic and with getting to know deities and learning how to develop um, a relationship with them. And if we want to get to know a particular deity more intimately, we do need to start by introducing ourselves. We cannot just roll up on a deity unannounced. They don't know us. They do not appreciate some stranger just showing up and asking for favors. No more than we do. So we'll do some meditation. Let's speak with her. Let's introduce ourselves and ask if she will speak with us. Spend some time just listening to the impressions that we get. Ask her if there are certain offerings she would prefer. Ask her if there is a sign she will give when she has something to say to us. To win Hecate's favor, we can place pearls, moonstone, quartz, or sapphire on her altar, feverfew and lavender flowers, and we can burn myrrh incense. And we should look for signs such as the numbers three and nine, and also animal totems like rabbits, owls, and especially dogs. Garlic is sacred to Hecate, and a tribute of garlic on her altar is going to really please her. Ancient Greeks would often leave wreaths, cakes, and an offering of an evening meal once a month during the new moon. And Hecate is frequently depicted holding torches, which she uses in her countless myths to help others find their way in the darkness. She's also depicted holding a key, which is, of course, in reference to her role as an underworld goddess and a keeper of boundaries, but which also hints at the secret knowledge that she keeps. And she is often shown flanked by dogs. In fact, there is a little debate as to whether the dogs are representative of her identity as a mother goddess, because the Greeks considered dogs to be sacred to all birth goddesses, or whether they represented her connection to the underworld. But in either case, Hecate rules both, so the debate is really moot, but we can use these symbols when we call upon her, and we can use them at our altar. We may keep a shrine or a space on our altar for her, which I do, but I find that when I petition her for any kind of active assistance with spell work, I feel better going to a crossroads to leave offerings and tributes and to bury my spells. And any sort of crossroads will do for this, although it's probably best to find one that's not too busy. You know, you wouldn't want somebody seeing you place something there and then immediately going to dig it up or disturb it. Uh, the crossroads that I like to use, it's a convergence of three dirt farm roads. So it does get some traffic, but not a lot, and I've never had to deal with anyone seeing me or asking any questions. So I like to bury a coin on each corner of the crossroads and then leave my tribute in the northernmost corner. Hecate is incredibly powerful. If she does decide to help you, you should make sure that you're ready for it. And I suggest that you don't attempt any work with her that you're unsure of. I have worked with Hecate to great success, but only a handful of times. Um, I keep a shrine for her on my altar at all times, but I don't ask for her assistance with just any old spell work. But this is just how I do things. If you decide to approach Hecate, you're going to have to navigate it in your own way. As with all witchcraft, there is no one right way. So I've only approached her for assistance a few times, but let me tell you, Hecate delivers. 
And my goal today was just to lay a little groundwork, give a little background for anyone who might feel called to learn more about her. She is so special and it's such an honor to work with her and to learn from her. Um, and that's it for me today. So best of luck to all of us tomorrow as Mercury goes retrograde. I wish everyone a blessed full moon on Saturday. Next week, we are going to talk about the autumn equinox or Maybon, and I'm excited about that. Sabbaths are always fun and witches love a good party. And until then, my name is Eli, and this has been the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. of this podcast is not a substitute for direct, personal, professional, mental, or medical health care and diagnosis. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only.